Preface and Introduction of Fruits of the Spirit. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Beth Thomas. Fruits of the Spirit by Hamilton Wright Maybe. Preface. These essays have appeared in the editorial columns of the Outlook from time to time for several years past. The present volume is the result of a desire frequently expressed that the timely messages so fully reflecting the author's loyalty to his country and his love for his fellow men in their highest destinies should be grouped in convenient form in order to perpetuate the potent influence they are known to have exerted upon the conduct and thought of many people their wide range brings them into touch with eager youth seeking inspiration with those weary and well-doing needing encouragement with those bringing the fruits of experience to enrich the activities of our busy age and with those who face the sunset in serene quiet here all my fine breadth of vision renewed courage clearer insight into the complexities of life and profound spiritual meanings it is significant that the latest essays written in nineteen sixteen during a period of great physical depression are concerned with the fundamentals of faith action and achievement the titles seem to form themselves into a triumphant progression character first meeting life squarely what can i do and the test of courage they would march steadily on vibrant with the belief in the ultimate victory of good and of god a belief that inspired every word from the pen now laid down in the calm assurance of perfect realization introduction hamilton wright maybe no one disciple of christ can give all that his master gave but each one of us can by his life and teaching give to his own circle some portion of the message which the master gave to the world i have a friend whose inexhaustible energy and enthusiasm of service always says though quite unconsciously to every one he meets son go to work to-day in my vineyard i had another friend not living now whose serene temper and reposeful spirit always said come ye yourselves apart and rest awhile her home was to every guest that entered it like the arbour which christian found in his climb up the hill difficulty the message which hamilton wright maybe brought to those who knew him with any intimacy was i have come that they may have life and that they might have it more abundantly not that he was extraordinarily active not that he was in the least characterized by that bustling energy which is at once the virtue and the vice of the american i do not recall that i ever saw him in a hurry on the contrary if i were to select a single word to indicate not perhaps his most distinguishing but his most apparent characteristic i should choose the word reposeful in one of his essays he writes the man who is in haste is always out of relation to things his haste implies maladjustment it means he has blundered or that he is inadequate to the task he has assumed some scientist has told us that there is more power in an acre of forest trees than in any ordinary manufacturing town with all its bustle and noise i use the word life as bergson uses it as sir oliver lodge uses it as mr maybe himself in another of his essays has used it there is therefore in every bit of life noble or ignoble beautiful or repulsive great or small traces of a thought evidences of an order lines of design every bit of life is a bitter revelation it brings us face to face with the great mystery and the great secret in every such disclosure we are not only looking at ourselves but we are catching a glimpse of god all revelation of life has the spell therefore of a discovery we hold our breath when we hear a great line on the stage for the first time or come upon it in a book because we are discovering something 
we are awed and hushed because we are looking into the mystery there is the thrill the wonder the joy of seeing another link in the invisible chain which binds us to the past and unites us to the future in every bit of life that is a phrase very characteristic of mr maybe's writing because it was characteristic of his experience he lived in the world and rejoiced in all that it had to give him he had neither the medieval nor the puritan conscience to him nothing was taboo he had no sympathy with the doctrine of thomas a kempis that one must choose between this world and the next he believed that the father had made both worlds and given them both to his children to enjoy he believed with paul that all things are yours whether paul or apollos or kephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come all are yours all teachers all material things all human faculties and activities the present world death the gateway to a larger life and the world to come this fullness of life defined and determined his literary judgments taine has said that as behind the fossil there was an animal so behind the folio there was a life it was this life behind the printed page which interested mr maybe language was to him but the tool by which thought and feeling are expressed he was skilful in the use of this tool and he had a mild interest in the skill with which other word artists used their tool but his vital interest was not in their tool but in their message literature appealed to him because it was an interpretation of life not merely the life of the author but the life of his age or in the case of a few of the greatest authors the life of all the ages he himself was an interpreter rather than a critic and was more concerned to enable his readers to see life through the author's eyes than to give them a judgment on the question whether the author had given his interpretation skilfully mr maybe was more than a literary critic and he was more than a literary interpreter he was interested both in nature and in humanity because he saw in both the expression of what he has called the universal life nature is both a machine and a book the scientific mind is interested in nature's mechanical aspects and its material values for example in finding and realizing the practical value of electricity as a means of carrying our message and giving light to our homes Mr. Maybe was interested in nature as an interpretation of that infinite and eternal energy from which all things proceed, and in detecting the unity of man and nature, not by interpreting man as a mechanical toy, but by interpreting nature as a body in which dwells a life-giving spirit. God, he said, is the force which permeates nature, and gives her forms their meaning and their beauty. And this also is the force which lifts humanity out of the dust, and gives it its dignity and opportunity so every bit of nature stone fish bird or leaf becomes precious they are all parts of a whole they are links in a chain seen in the light of this sublime discovery all matter is penetrated with thought in like manner through human life in all its forms under all its conditions in all stages of its unfolding a great thought or order is being wrought out it was this almost oriental faith in the unity of life which gave mr maybe his interest in social problems economics sociology politics were interesting to him mainly because they were human problems because in them as seen in actual human conditions they showed how a great thought or order is being wrought out the goal which he saw and to which he believed all transitions all struggles all revolutions are gradually leading the human race is a divinely predestined human brotherhood it was this too that made him a universal friend he desired to help not merely the lame the halt and the blind out of their handicap 
He desired to do what he could to promote the gradual creation of an orderly world out of chaos. He was a brother in this universal but imperfectly developed brotherhood, because good or evil, high or low, illustrious or obscure, all human lives disclose something above and beyond them. This same spirit of abundant life characterized his religious experience. He regarded all theologies, all liturgies, all ecclesiastical organizations, as instruments either to express or to promote the spiritual life. He was always a loyal member of the Episcopal Communion, and in his later life active and influential in the organization. But he never identified himself with any of the parties in that communion. I have often heard him say that the Church of Christ ought to be large enough to embrace men of all opinions and all temperaments. He believed that the bond of union and the test of fellowship should be not agreement upon a dogma, but loyalty to a person not intellectual nor emotional, but vital. For nearly forty years Hamilton, W. Maybe, and I worked together as brothers in an educational enterprise. We came of different ancestry, and possessed different temperaments. I was a child of Puritan ancestry, he a son of the church. I was temperamentally philosophical, he was temperamentally poetical. But a mystical faith in the unseen united us in a friendship which strengthened and deepened with the passing years. We not only shared in each other's work, we were companions in each other's sorrows. Each profoundly affected the other's life. This etching is of my friend as I understood him. Doubtless it will seem erroneous to some, inadequate to others. But I hope it may serve to help many readers to get from his pen something of the illumination and inspiration which I derived from him through a very sacred personal friendship. Lyman Abbott End of Introduction <laughs>